Friends, as we continue in our series around hospitality, I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis is the first book in the Bible, so if you open it up, get through the table of contents, you'll find your spot in Genesis. And Genesis 18, 1 through 15, um, is a reasonably familiar text, and so it's one of those ones, there's the danger, there is so much that can be said about it. Uh, It is a visit from God to Abraham and Sarah. It's a reminder of God's covenant promises because God has already told Abraham, I will make you father of many nations. Your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. If you were to count them, so shall be your descendants. There's a lot going on within that where we could pick up the story throughout Genesis, but the particular lens that we will look at the text in today is the lens of hospitality. What do we learn about being hospitable hosts and hospitable guests from this encounter where God came to visit? God came to visit the earth. So as you hear it, um, just remember two things. One, if you want to get good at something, you got to learn from the best. And so we can learn from God's understudies, either people in scripture or those around us, but we ultimately always want to be learning from God. And so pay attention not only for what we can learn about hospitality as hosts from Abraham and Sarah and the activity and energy that they put into being hosts, but also just as you read it, how does God show up when God becomes a guest? And let's not lose the gravity of that, that God chooses to become a guest. First here in Genesis, showing up to Abraham and Sarah, and ultimately when Jesus comes in Advent as we celebrate his arrival. Uh, God comes to us and does not stay far off. So as we read Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15, let's think about being hosts and guests in this world, and let's learn from the best. But before we do so, let's pray for God's Holy Spirit to open the word to us. Will you join me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our friend and our guide, our Lord and our savior. Speak to us today, O God, and speak to us your truth, that we might hear, that our ears may receive, that our hearts may be open, and that our hands may be transformed to be your servants on the world. In your name we pray, amen. Genesis chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. At the conclusion of the reading of God's word, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. And if you're grateful for it, I invite you to respond by saying thanks be to God. Genesis chapter 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sayas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. 
Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to his servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They're in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we consider hospitality, we can learn something from the understudies of hospitality in this text, which would be Abraham and Sarah, God's servants, just as we seek to be God's servants and followers in the world. And one thing that strikes me upon first reading Genesis 18, 1 through 15, is how much activity is happening and how quickly it is happening. The amount of times that we're told that somebody hurried or something happened quickly is pretty astounding in those first few verses. There is a rush to show hospitality as host. And you think, remember that Abraham and Sarah are kind of old at this point. This includes uh, the prophecy of a uh, advanced maternal age pregnancy or a geriatric pregnancy. Abraham and Sarah are old, and yet here they are running from one place to the other. That when Abraham sees these three men, and it's unclear exactly when he figures out that this is a visit from God, but nonetheless, as an eager host, someone who looks around, Abraham has taken stock and says, the Lord has blessed me, I can host those who come by. And in the heat of the day, he sees the needs of those around him and quickly wants to meet their needs. He wants to give them shade. He wants to give them the comfort and dignity to wash their feet and be refreshed. He wants to give them something to eat, some fine flour to make good bread, and he wants to find the best calf that he can find. And as he does this all running around, uh, we should think of the space involved in this, that if he's running from the trees to the tent, that could be nearby. But when we're told that he then goes to select a, a choice calf, it's not like he has a pen like next door necessarily. He might be running some distance to get the right choice meat to serve to his guests. He is running back and forth. He's an old guy and he's doing a lot of running. Now, we've got some senior saints here who I think can keep a pretty good pace, but let's just appreciate the amount of hurried activity because as hosts, there is a desire to care for our guests. And after all of the hurry, after all of the rushing to get them shade and water and food, then Abraham, in verse 8, just stands nearby. You can picture him with a white towel over his arm, not that that would have been the custom of the time, but just standing nearby, almost as a waiter. 
He's done all of the rushing and hurrying. And now, as a host, he's waiting to respond to any requests that his guests might have. Hospitality is a labor of service. And we shouldn't take for granted that which we can learn from Abraham and Sarah, even the extravagant amount of food that he puts before them. Keeping in mind, if you looked in the footnote in your Bible, the amount of flour that Abraham tells Sarah to work with to prepare bread is about 36 pounds. So he just went to Costco or Sam's Club and got like the big bag of flour and is like, make all of this into bread. That is way too much bread for three people. It's, it's a ridiculous amount. And yet we see generosity woven into hospitality. Now, before we move on from hospitality of host, let's keep in mind that Abraham is someone who has much, therefore as host can give and offer much. And that's a beautiful thing. I am blessed to be a blessing would be the Abraham posture. He has much. And yet also, we can think we don't have to have much to be able to offer much. We can think of other stories of hospitality in scripture where hospitality was offered even from those who had very little. And we'll get to some of those passages in November. And yet, I just heard last week in Sunday school a reminder of a mission trip where one of our high school students who um, shared the fact that they were being hosted by people who had seemingly nothing. And yet they were still hosted with joy and even though they lived in dirt, everything was clean, there was a desire, even from nothing, even from poverty, to show hospitality. And so let's not get distracted from, oh, well, I don't have as much as Abraham. We can serve as hosts, whether we have much or little, whether we have nothing that we want for or whether we want for much. Hospitality can be served from plenty or from little because it is a posture of the heart. It is a desire to meet as many needs as we can of our guests and to invite them in, to see their need and to invite them in. We can learn much from Abraham and Sarah in this, whether our situation is like theirs or less than like theirs. We can learn much. But they are understudies of hospitality just as we are understudies of hospitality. And if we want to get good at something, we've got to learn from the best. And so let's pay attention to how God shows up as a guest. Because in our world today, we will have opportunities to host, to meet other people's needs. Also, as a church, as Christians in the world, we also need to know and learn how to be hospitable guests. For we can go through all the different realities and we can uh, decry much of it to say, the church used to really be at the center of society and now it's not so much at the center. Christians used to be at the center of influence, but now not so much. We're not the hosts to cultural power and conversation. We can lament that, we can grieve that, we can try to fight to get back to, to the center. However, I think today in Genesis 18, we need to pay attention to what does God teach us about how to be a guest. Granted, here we are seeing the example of a guest who is invited and welcomed. But the same principles should be in our minds when maybe we find ourselves as less than welcome guests, maybe tolerated at best kind of guests. But we need to learn our hospitality of guest as well. 
And I would capture that in one significant phrase that we can find here in Genesis and also that we can practice as guests. Guests bring good news. It is as simple as that as to take hospitality as a way to put the gospel into practice. Guests bring good news. Does God show up with good news? When God shows up as a guest, whether it be in Genesis or whether it be in the Gospels, yes and amen. When God shows up as a guest who needs things from other people, when Jesus is born as a baby, or when these three men are traveling through the heat of the day, they have a need and they are received as guests and they bring good news. Guests bring good news. Abraham and Sarah are greeted with at least threefold versions of good news from their guests, which of course is God traveling to them. And the first is this. The good news is that God keeps promises. God keeps promises. Because Abraham and Sarah have been given this promise, and maybe we know of promises that we know in our heads are in the scriptures, but maybe in our hearts there feels like there's a little bit of distance, and God shows up to say, I'm keeping my promises, even if it sounds crazy. It is good news to know that God will keep promises. Because, I don't know, as Abraham and Sarah have aged, they might remember when those promises were made, and they, like us, might think, but was that really true? Is it really going to happen? And God shows up and says, I'm keeping my promises. Guests show up with the good news that God keeps promises. And maybe next week when we have baptism, we'll hear some of the promises that God makes. And maybe it's with a child or a friend or a family member in your own life that you're like, those promises were made. And we need a reminder that God keeps promises. As guests, we remind others that God keeps promises. Secondly, and this goes right alongside with it, we are not forgotten. And this is something that we see God doing, basically coming to show up to make Sarah laugh, which becomes the namesake of her son Isaac, but to say, you are not forgotten. I have not left you. I have not abandoned you. I have not forgotten your name, the name I gave you, and I have not forgotten the promises that I have made to you either. You are not forgotten. And friends, when we practice hospitality as guests, is there not opportunity to let other people know that they are simply not forgotten? Thinking about visiting those who are in chronic pain or continuously sick. Sometimes we show up in spaces as guests that we can't offer anything. We can't, we can't make the pain go away. We can't make their situation instantly better. Yet we can show up simply as a reminder because guests bring good news of you are not forgotten. You are remembered. That as Christians, as guests called by Christ to be guests, sometimes in the hostile world, sometimes in situations where we can't make any difference, we can't change anything, we show up to say you are not forgotten. You are remembered. You are not abandoned. And your presence, even if you do not have to speak that, is a reminder of exactly that. Guests bring good news that God keeps promises and that we are not forgotten. We are not forgotten. And it can be easy to feel forgotten, isolated, and lonely. 
And in today's age of social media that might make us more antisocial, it is easy to be forgotten. Guests show up, or they call, and they make sure that people know they are not forgotten. And a third option, we see God's promises being kept. God shows up as a guest to remind people of that. We can do that. God shows up to remind people that they're not forgotten. We can also put that into practice. And the third kind of point of hospitality here, that guests bring good news, is that God is showing up and saying, hey, your story goes beyond you, and it doesn't end with you. It doesn't end with you. To know that there is something that, uh, that we can be told that your influence on those around you will go beyond you. Your story doesn't end with you, but it continues on in the lives of those who you have influenced. God does that as a guest. Might we do that as grateful guests to those who have influenced us to share with them that they've made a difference on our life that is passed along to others. In Abraham and Sarah's day, the main way, in fact, pretty much the only way that people could imagine that being done was through the reality of having children, to have descendants, so that their name would be remembered throughout generations. And yet, if we don't necessarily have that as our only way of concern, what if we take on the posture as guests of letting people know that their contributions matter, that we can celebrate with them, that their influence goes beyond just them? North Holland Reformed Church was planted in 1852. There are no original elders and deacons, no original Sunday school teachers still alive today because the torch gets handed off from generation to generation. Good news is brought when we remember that God can use what we do in this time to send gifts into the future, to continue to hand off to generation to generation that our name does not get forgotten. The influence that we seek from God to our neighbor does not get forgotten. Guests can bring that kind of good news. Certainly guests, in God's case, can also explain how prayers will be answered. That Abraham and Sarah have prayed for children. That can be one that we have to be careful with as guests because we don't know with perfect omniscience as God knows, how will God respond? How will these prayers be handled? What's the bigger picture here that God is at work in? We can't guarantee that prayers are answered the way we ask them but yet we can remind people that they're not forgotten by us and that even by our presence, we can say that they're not forgotten by God either. How will prayers be answered? Might be through a hospitable guest showing up to remind us that we're cared for and loved and not forgotten. Guests bring good news. So in some ways, as we conclude, are you a good guest? When you show up, I mean, when we're a host, we have a little bit more control and influence. Granted, sometimes the control and influence of the host has to be to say, hey, at this point, you're drawing the line. You're just taking advantage of my hospitality. Hosts can still have boundaries even as they take care of people's needs. But as we consider the posture of guest, are you a good guest? Do you bring good news with you when you are a guest? And if we're going to take that into consideration, we could probably assess times when we have, well, there are those guests that we love to have with us, that any amount of time we spend with them is a joy and a gift, and we don't even really watch the time as things go. There are also those guests 
where we're trying to give as many Midwest polite, subtle hints as we can, like, it's time for you to leave. There are those guests who perhaps do not bring good news. Guests bring good news with them. You know what kind of guests you want. You want the guests who bless you, who, who give back in some way, not that, you're taking, not that they're taking care of your needs, but we know the type of guests that we enjoy the most. God shows up as a guest with good news who enriches the host, Abraham and Sarah. What kind of guests do you enjoy most? And then just to consider, am I that type of guest? When I show up, am I bringing some measure of good news? And not that good news is always happy or easy news. Guests bring good news, which can be you're not forgotten, you are loved. I know guests can also bring hard news. Guests can also bring hard news, like this relationship that you have with work is having an impact on your family, and I care about you enough to say that. Or your relationship with alcohol is destroying your life, and I care about you enough to say that. Guests can bring even hard news, but guests nonetheless bring good news because it is from a posture of love. To be a guest is to practice hospitality, to bring good news to your host. Are you a person of good news as a guest? Even when it's hard news, is it shared in love? Is it shared to bless and enrich the life of the host from which you have received care? This is the gold standard. We are not God. <laughs> we cannot know how prayers will be handled. We cannot know everything about someone's life. But we can be people of good news. Our ultimately good news is that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. But every smaller form of good news can make us people as guests who bring good news. And guests who bring good news are welcomed guests. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us the good news of the gospel and that we can be guests in this world, but we can be guests that bring good news good news of your love, good news of your promises, good news simply of your presence as best as we can show up to represent your presence on a day. Lord, help us to be good guests that perhaps find their ways into being welcomed guests in otherwise unwelcomed places. We think of our missionaries who earn that right in other cultures and we ask that you allow us to be good guests, that we might be able to do the same even in our culture, even here in this country. Lord, you showed us what it was like to be a guest with good news, and you've given us good news. So whether we are host, whether we are guest, may we be people of good news, both now and always. Amen.